Welcome to Beyond Clean with Jim, a podcast that brings to you on your schedule in your environment, current and relative conversations on subjects that impact you, the individuals in the cleaning industry who save lives every day. Beyond Clean with Jim is streaming to you through Podbean from their studios inside Jim Supply in Central Florida. From their six locations, Jim Supply has been improving lives with clean supplies since 1930. Check out our options today for education, product, and equipment at gymsupply.net. Check out the seven pillars of the gym difference. At Jim, we are not just another vendor, we are your partner. Now let's join your host, Dave Thompson, as he talks with yet another influencer in the cleaning industry here on Beyond Clean with Jim. Good morning, everyone out there in podcast land. This is Dave Thompson. I am your host here at Beyond Clean with Ace. And you know what, I, I got to start uh, with a, well, you know, it's, it's hard for us in some areas of Florida to be talking uh, today and not talk about what Ivan has, uh, or Ian has done to us, or, you know, the hurricane that came through this last week. Um, and if everything has worked correctly, it's been a challenge for me to get set up uh, to broadcast with you today. Sean, um, how are you doing? I'm doing well. We were very, very fortunate up here in North Florida. It, the original forecast had the hurricane coming kind of directly over our house, the eye, but it kept turning and turning until it, it turned and took the path that it did, which left us outside the wind zone. So we had two breezy days of just a lot of wind 25 mile an hour gust kind of stuff with no rain so we really we got we were very fortunate here as compared to you know the the people down in south florida and southwest florida it's tough tough situation yeah and we're broadcasting folks out of orlando and of course the uh, eye of the hurricane was even south of us but uh, we had uh, two days of intense rain heavy winds and <laughs> you know, Sean, this is kind of one of those times where you go, I love living in my trailer in the RV resort, but whenever it comes to one of these events, it's two days of tearing everything down, letting it all go through. Then you got the cleanup of everything and a whole weekend of putting everything back together. But as you said, at least I have it all to put do, uh, together and do. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's the very fortunate thing that there's a lot of individuals that are um, completely without house and home and everything they've collected over the years is all gone. You know, it's kind of interesting as I was watching uh, different broadcasts this uh, uh, last couple of days, uh, one lady said, you know, I always looked at uh, people in Florida and go, well, why don't those people just move and everything? She says, now I'm one of them and I totally understand. Yep. You know, I have to admit, uh, I was kind of one of those two uh, folks. I uh, lived in Missouri for 35 years and uh, six years ago moved to uh, Florida and now I've been through two of them uh, one in 17 and this one here and knock on wood somewhere folks uh, I haven't had any damage either either time but just about uh, four to six trailers away from me each time we've had demolished trailers so you know hey I don't like that uh, third time of charm uh, Sean <laughs> I don't imagine you do yeah well, at least anyway, uh, folks, if you didn't come on to the podcast to listen to us talk about the hurricane. There's plenty of that going on, but uh, please understand it is top of mind for us here. Our thoughts and prayers go out to those that are less fortunate, fortunate as we've talked this morning. 
Beyond Clean with Ace, we talk about anything and everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. And Sean, um, last time I saw you, we were both at the Florida School Plant Managers Association Conference. Uh, you were in the uh, Mannington commercial booth. And uh, I have to tell you, the next week I was in Missouri and I actually found some people up there that knew you too. Oh, really? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was going through, I was podcasting at both of these conferences, folks, uh, here uh, from our show, and uh, was up in Missouri, and I saw the Mannington commercial booth and stopped and got the lady on camera and mentioned your name, and she goes, oh, yeah, I know him. <laughs> Hopefully it was all positive relations. Well, now, you'll, now, now, Sean, you'll have to watch the podcast later when I get them all up to find that out. Yeah, I guess so. So, Sean, Sean, uh, he is a uh, world-known person with Mannington Mills. So, uh, for those that haven't joined in on the podcast, Sean, uh, let's introduce and who you are and what you do. My name is Sean DeVore. I am... Uh, a commercial manufacturer's representative for Mannington Commercial Flooring. We manufacture commercial carpet tile, commercial LVP and LVT, rubber tiles, stair treads, base, um, among a bunch of other things, sheet vinyl, all things to do with the floor. We make pretty much anything to go into a commercial environment with the exception of hard tile like ceramic or porcelain. We do not manufacture those. And we're about 98% U.S. manufactured based. Now, one of the things that you and I did is we co-authored um, and presented a session at the FSPMA conference. Uh, you want to tell the folks a little bit about what we did there? Well, from you and I both come from a little bit different backgrounds as far as uh, seeing maintenance and commercial flooring. I'm a manufacturer's representative and I deal with the end users and I talk about maintenance a lot. Uh, you deal with the end users and you guys have sold chemical, you've sold machines, you've provided maintenance information. So you come at it from a different angle. And typically people like you and I don't talk, um, which is odd, but we don't. So I think uh, what you and I did was come together and have those facility maintenance guys in our classroom to actually learn and then we were able to play off from each other showing the different perspectives of how each of us see it from the manufacturing like you you could ask me a question about manufacturing or talk about wear layers or aggregates in the wear layer um, and urethanes when you're talking about what how chemicals affect those things so i think that's that's how we kind of attacked it and which i think is a good way to do it i you know and i and i agree with you sean that's why we did it folks is because we wanted to try to bring in a little different spin on this. Um, many times at these conferences, I know that one of the things that the people that run the conferences, they always tell us, please don't make it a sales presentation. And I think a lot of manufacturers have gotten that, although there's always new people and they don't get that. But on the other hand, I don't see too many of these presentations that do it the way you and I did. No, it's usually a, it's not a sales presentation, but there are large hints in there about a technique, a method, uh, a way of doing something that pertains to the product that that person's selling. 
So that's usually how those things come about. There are some true CEUs at that at that conference, but some of the things that are are definitely there's there's some hidden agendas for sure. Yeah, I, when when I was at uh, Missouri um, and also at Florida, um, I saw people rolling in to their uh, sessions all of the products that they use, and I was thinking, how do you present in one hour, you know, like 15 things and talk about them and not make it a sales presentation. Um, uh, you know, I feel, I don't, I don't feel that's the way you should do it. Although we do have to use the tools of the trade to show. And so folks, whenever you go to one of these trade shows, you know, the thing we're trying to say here is kind of be, well, it walk in with an open mind. Uh, look for the presentations that actually teach you something. And there was a lot of those at both conferences. Yeah, there was, you know, there's some on controls and um, more tactile type things that the maintenance guys need to learn about that there's a lot of those classes. You know, it was interesting to see uh, two of these school plant managers uh, conferences back to back, two different states, the one thing I did see that was very common was everybody was very glad to be looking at somebody eyeball to eyeball and shaking their hand. Yeah, I think we had we had a little bit of a, a light attendance, I think, at the Florida one, but um, that's because it's the first year back in two years. And I, um, hopefully, based on the feedback I got, that there's going to be more people next year. It's even going to be better. So I hope that it continues in that direction. But people are very happy to be able to shake hands, see somebody, put a face with a name, um, not just do an email or Zoom calls or team calls. You know, it, it means a lot to see an actual person. So speaking of that, since you're in floors, what was new at the show? Um. I really, from the manufacturer's perspective, <laughs> there was a long I'm, pause there, folks. I'm yeah, sure. I really, I really didn't see anything that new. I think some of us, a lot of the uh, manufacturers came with a lot of caution because they didn't know what was going to be, uh, uh, how many people were going to be there, what the participation was going to be. Um, there was some issues with the show where they, the show wanted to do it a certain way, but the hotel did it another, and so we didn't have the attendees were not inside the um, the showroom area when they were eating. They were in, in another room, which, you know, is easy for people not to come by the booths that way. So um, that that was one of the things that was a, was a, I guess you, it was a negative about it. We didn't get as much uh, traffic at the actual booth as what we'd wanted to or what we expected. You know, and Sean, I, think, I have to agree with you because when I was at Missouri the next week, uh, the expo hall was big enough that the eating always, you know, what all the eating was always done inside the expo area, which, as you said, it keeps everybody in the same same area. And I think it, it flows better that way. It definitely flows better that way. And you're, the people, you know, they can finish eating their sandwich or whatever they're eating and then they take a drink and they walk around and talk to people and that kind of thing and i think at our show in florida they were in a separate ballroom when they got their food then they you know it's easy for them to slip up to the room for a second and 
you know, um, return some phone calls or some emails or work a little bit and then come back and go back into a CEU class and not come into the trade show. So, yeah, but um, all that being said, it is very hard to put together a conference and, you know, especially when you really don't know what is going to happen when you first come back like this. And as I think you said, uh, we now know. And unless something happens next year should be a whole different story. Yeah, I think so. And, and um, you know, I, most of the vendors, everybody I talk to, they'll be back next year. And uh, the ones that don't, well, that, that'll be their loss. You know, you got to continue to persevere and, and, and show up. You know, what was interesting for me uh, here, folks, is that this was the first time that either conference had actually had somebody doing podcasting. And so to have a podcast booth, people kept walking up going, what is it you're doing? Because I didn't have anything to give them. I didn't have something to sell to them. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't no handouts. It was here, sit down and talk. And people were like, oh, no, 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 I know. Uh, it was hard to get people to sit down and talk. I, know, I had a couple of people that were my customers who were talking to me and they're like, here comes Dave. I got to go. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, and folks, what you, you don't know, unless you uh, watch one of the uh, uh, YouTube uh, um, podcasts, uh, I have a roaming podcast mic. And so uh, we also did video as well. And people kind of got used to it. And if they saw me, but they couldn't escape because I still came around and got them anyway. <laughs> I think it's just something to get used to. Yeah, it was fun, uh, folks, I got to tell you. Um, but getting people to talk in the cleaning industry is very difficult to do. Yep. Um, was, you know, I think, folks, one of the things that I do is I try to do something different, not that the podcast wasn't enough different. But one of the other things that we did here from the Academy is we had a program we've been working on for a number of years, and we released it at the Florida plant managers, it's called Getting to Wow. It was a two-hour workshop that we did uh, the uh, first morning. And uh, it was very, very interesting. Um, and, and folks, you'll have to just kind of get onto our YouTube channel. You can see a little bit about it. Uh, but uh, we'll be releasing that uh, later on this year as a workshop. Um, it is a live workshop that's going to be held here in Florida. It will not be a remote because uh, it requires people to be here with me. So it will be an all-morning workshop on getting to WOW. That's exciting. I'm glad that's coming together for you. I look forward to seeing that. Yeah. So, I mean, every year we try to come up with uh, a new thing and, you know, we put it, we kind of release it here in the fall kind of get started with it, but uh, next year we hope that it'll be something. And as we are on the air today, uh, we are in the first week of October. Um, at both conferences, we presented the Rockstar Custodian Program. And if you've been keeping up with it, folks, you have less than 30 days to get in your nomination for the Rockstar Custodian for 2022. We'll be taking those nominations till the end of October. Then we'll put out the four to eight finalists on nationwide voting for November and December. And uh, at the first of the year, we'll be announcing that. And uh, 
We've got some uh, cleaning festivals coming up here in Florida that we're doing here the first of the next year. We'll be announcing that award winner. How many uh, have you gotten quite a good response on that this year? Well, Sean, uh, I, I'm just going to have to tell you, no. Um, hmm. It has not been what it has been the last couple of years. And I think one of the things is what, what probably you and I have both seen, and I heard this at both conferences it's just hard to get people, enough people to do the job of getting work done. And it's like uh, coming to classes. I just have very few people come to class because there's not enough people that can't afford the time. Yeah, the people that are working are working extra. And uh, we have that problem at our Eustis extrusion plant at Eustis, Florida, is we can't get enough employees to work to get our schedules and our and our manufacturing times on, on, on a regular schedule. People come in, they work for a month, they resign, or we just can't get enough to cover the shifts. And the people that are there working double shifts and extra time in order to try to get things done. You know, one of the interesting things I did see at both conferences, Sean, is automated equipment. And I know on a couple of other podcasts that I've been doing with individuals, automated equipment has become, um, more of a thing. Uh, and of course, the first automated equipment we have, Sean, has been automatic floor machines. Yeah, they had one of those going around the aisle by itself. It was a tenant machine, I believe, that was just going around by itself with nobody on it. Yes, automated equipment. Um, we've, you know, I, I think I saw, and we've seen these for several years, folks, but they're becoming very, very uh, good. Because at first, <laughs> I can remember about six, seven years ago, we had them, but you didn't want to get in the way of them, and uh, they worked half of the time. But that's not the truth anymore. Uh, these autonomous robotic machines, uh, both for hard floor and soft floor, um, I know it still takes somebody to computer program them and all that, but you're not talking about somebody riding a machine for four to six hours every night. Yeah, one of my questions was, you know, does the northeast part of the building get super clean and the southeast problem never get area never gets cleaned, <laughs> you know, but it seems to be pretty even. It seems to be working. Well, if you look at it, and I mean, how long has and, and I know we're talking commercial, you and I do, but how long have we had these robot, those uh, these Roombas and stuff like that for our homes? And it's just a bigger version of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, We've had one of those until it actually wore itself out. So, yeah, they um, and I think the technology's even got much better. So we've had them yeah, I, five or six years for sure. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is, is so the autonomous equipment uh, is becoming more and more prevalent. Um, I was kind of wondering before we get on air here, uh, have you seen any of these out in the schools that you've been working with? No, not so far. Everybody's pretty much still using humans in my area. So I haven't seen any <laughs> autonomous machines. <laughs> well, I'm not, I didn't mean that the other people that have them are good, have quit using humans there, Sean. <laughs> Probably using less humans, though. Well, I think what we're doing is we're finding out there's a, a way to augment both. Uh, you know, it's just like, you know, everything else in our societies uh, as we automate all kinds of things. I mean, look at our computers and stuff. You know, one thing is, I was asking one of the uh, uh, board members up in Missouri, I said, uh, 
do you think that you'll ever go to a blended conference? And he said they have talked about it. You mean an electric electronic conference combined with a real life conference? Yes. You know, because during COVID, you know, it was let's do just a, a, an electronic or a virtual conference. And you and I were doing that at the first of this year here for the Academy and right. uh, uh, the the pot, the, uh, the broadcast we did. And then I, I said, well, did you think about doing it for this year? Because as you said, like in Florida, we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Um, attendance might have been a, bit, a little bit lower. Well, he said the thing, what he was thinking is if we did that, there'd be too many people that just say, well, I'm not going to go when they wanted to have the people there. Um, and so I think this is where you're now going to go into. It's just like, you know, if there's not uh, people going back to the workplace, how many facilities in 23 are never going to come back ever again? Right. Do you think that this is uh, affecting your sales and floors? I mean, I think of a buildings not being used anymore for in office. That's got to be some effect. Yeah, I mean, there's our corporate business is definitely down because the there's not people going uh, into the the office as much. These companies are reducing the size of their offices, or remodeling and changing things, or reduce or renting out the other half that they used to rent. So yeah, our corporate business is definitely down. Uh, whereas we've picked up on education and healthcare. Well. And, you know, as you're saying, I think education, I would think, you know, I think that's the other interesting thing as I was listening and people that did come and talk, um, the, the, the issue of virtual learning for schools definitely did hurt our kids. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things going on in schools right now, so. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a lot of that. And so I think that, uh, um, you know, we've, we've all learned quite a bit during that schools and, and health care will definitely be seeing a lot more uptake. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking here as we talk every time LV continues to be, well, the flooring of choice. It was interesting as I looked at different booths at both shows, I didn't see as much carpeting and carpet cleaners. It was more all hard floor or synthetic. The market is definitely greater than 50% for hard surface now. Hospitals are not using any carpet unless it's in the extreme um, administration areas for the CEO or the COO presidents, they, that's where that their offices are carpet. But uh, for the most part, the entire hospital is now either LVT, LVP, or sheet vinyl. Um, the the carpet business has definitely backed off a lot, even in uh, primary education and secondary education, doing entire schools, classrooms, and everything in LVT. So you know, I had, uh, in the podcast I was doing at the Missouri Plant Managers uh, uh, Conference, uh, an assistant superintendent walked up, and I was kind of surprised because he walked directly to me. Most people weren't walking up to the podcast booth, podcast. folks, i got to tell you. 
I was having to go out and, you know, put a rope around their neck and drag them over. <laughs> but this guy just walks right straight up, sits down and says, I'm here to talk. And I'm like, holy cow. And I kind of learned why. Because he said, you know, all of this has made us change our way of conventional thinking. And I think that's what you and I talk about all the time. And I was so glad to hear it. But he hit me with one I hadn't thought of. What was that? Foam walls. Huh. I yeah, seen well, that. Yeah. <laughs> that was my response, too. That's the way he started. He says, I'm here to talk to you about foam walls. He says, and we have a, um, a shelter. I said, no, wait a minute. Are you telling me that you've got a certified shelter and it's got foam walls? And he goes, yeah. But you got to understand it's uh, encased in concrete. So, wow. folks, I got to tell you, you got to listen to the podcast. Whenever you get off this, listen to the podcast because this gentleman proceeded to talk to me about sustainability. And he was talking about that the foam blocks are locally accessed, the concrete is locally accessed, that they could, could make these block walls, pour the rebar and the concrete around the foam, so it was better insulated, better sound deadening, it could be done uh, about 70% less time and they didn't have to wait. And so he said, we don't have the supply chain issues. We don't have the time frame issues. It actually costs less to do it. And I'm like, you know what? This is the reason we do a podcast because you just never know what somebody's going to talk about. That's interesting. I guess, were you talking about building that in K through 12 schools or just any, any building? Oh, well, what he's doing is, of course, they're the first school in Missouri to actually be uh, installing one of them. They're currently in uh, doing it right now. They've got a building, I think he said, was like 50 years old. And so they took and they rehabbed one part and they made an addition. So they're actually building eight classrooms with this new uh, structure. And uh, I'm going to be kind of watching that to see, but but it goes to what you and I talk about all the time is, uh, you know, we've got to look past what we've been doing for the last hundred years, but it also changes. And this is one him I was talking. I said, so now what's the maintenance? What do what what about the windows? And what about the roof? It always brings up other parts of the conversation. You just can't change one thing and keep right. doing everything the same way you were. Yeah, it changes. I would imagine that changes the whole um, the way thing because you have to get your inside a building code uh, situations also. Well, what's interestingly enough to me is he says, well, yes and no. He said, we still use the same uh, windows that we would have used. He said, but you got to think about this. The walls are now 12 inches thick. Mm -hmm. He said, and that's why I go immediately, I go, so is the window seal on the outside or the inside of the building? And, you know, so, you know, every time, and I think this is what you and I talk about, just because we went to LV doesn't mean we keep doing things. And just a few minutes ago, before we got on air, Sean, I had a guy that sent me an email and said, hey, I need to take a class on luxury vinyl, how to re remove scra scratches and repair uh, divots. Hmm. Uh, do you have a way to repair divots and damage? 
there's products on the market that that um, can help with the scratches. Uh, it goes back to kind of cause and effect. I always look at what furniture uh, feet that they have and try to eliminate try to eliminate the scratches from happening. Typically, that's where that comes in. Or you have an area where they're maybe bringing pallets in or something like that to scratch in the floor. Maybe think about an alternative floor if, if you can't repair the causes. And then you can try to address some of those minor minor scratches and infections. Uh, some of the new products out there that have uh, clear polymer um, fillers in them that will actually fill those scratches and make them appear to disappear. And I think that's the thing is, is we can we can work with the surface scratches, folks. But when it comes to actually repairing a divot where the LV has been ripped out, uh, that's why they make them in planks and tiles. Yeah, and it goes down with a releasable adhesive, so it can it'll actually release from the floor, and then you place in some of your attic stock. Um, but once a floor is damaged, it's very hard to repair it. There's no really no real repair system in place for that, other than replacing the individual tile or plank, or get a magic marker and then put colored in. <laughs> you can do that when it comes or, or, or caulk. We have caulks now that that can be repaired. But most of these point load dent indentations or um, deep scratches are, are non repairable. Um, you have to go more to the cause of what's causing the scratch. If it's a continual issue, what's causing it and try to eliminate that and then maybe do your repairs so that you don't have any more scratches going forward. So what's on the agenda for Sean and floors in October? Well, I've got October, I've got a mill tour. I'm taking a customer up to the plant um, uh, the 20th and 21st of October. And then I have a big hospital project over in Pensacola. I'm going to visit the last week of October. And then otherwise, it'll just be some travel within my territory. And your territory isn't going to get into the area that's been... Um, damaged by the hurricane? I think just on the fringes of it, I handle Volusia County, which is Daytona Beach, and I also handle St. Augustine, and I think in both of those areas they had some flooding. So we'll have some some areas that will come up. I won't. I don't typically go to those areas until I'm called, um, just because I don't want to interfere with any of the stuff that's going on there to try to clean. I do know I heard one of the the flooring customers that I have, he's not a guy that I do a lot of business with, but he's a retail client in Daytona, had three foot of water in his showroom. So um, there will be some damage from that storm in the Daytona area. So, you know, I, uh, just for our listeners, it's not that I probably don't know this, but um, talk to me a little bit about the different LV that is on the floor. And if water has set on it, what what is going to be there? I mean, you know, hey, and I got to tell you this, Sean, uh, I rented a condo up in um, uh, Branson, Missouri when I was there. And the week before I got there, they had an air conditioner condenser leak. And when I got there, all the floors were all buckled up and everything. So talk to the customers a little bit about it. When something like this happens and water sits on there, what do they do? Well, in a commercial environment, uh, typically you're using a two and a half millimeter glue down LVT that's not affected by moisture, topically. Unless you're expecting moisture like 
the hospital that I'm doing in Pensacola, the ground floor, we used a uh, single part uh, solids adhesive that is impervious to topical moisture and moisture coming from the slab in case they do get a hurricane over in Pensacola in the bottom floor of the, the, the hospital fills with water, the floor won't be affected by it. So if you know in advance that it could be an area that does get affected by moisture, you can use the proper adhesive. So it's not so much the material as it is the adhesive and the floor preparation below the, on the substrate that create that removes the issues with moisture. So we're talking about moisture that comes up through the slab as well as moisture from mopping or whatever it might be from the top. Sure. So if you have a, a pressure sensitive adhesive that I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> that's a water based adhesive. So if you flood the floor with water when cleaning, uh, literally, I mean flooded, we've had people dump five gallon buckets of water on the floor like like they would normally have done with a stripper on VCT, which you're not supposed to do that, but that's what they do. That's considered flooding, <laughs> flooding the floor. And because it's a, uh, a water-based adhesive, once the water goes through the cracks in the LVT, it will reactivate the adhesive and loosen it and cause buckling or curling or cupping, um, which is you're breaking the bond between the substrate and the LVT, the, the product that's on top. So well, that, and that's that, exactly that. why we tell people not to put floor finish on LV because your your normal way to remove that finish at some point it has to be removed, and then what they do is they flood strip. Right, they flood strip around the floor. So, so your, if they yeah. if they were doing that, then they should not be using the uh, uh, pressure sensitive adhesive. Correct. If you have any level of expectation of that there's going to be a lot of topical moisture, we've got a lot of uh, adhesive answers now that will address those things, you know, whether it be a, a single part uh, all solids adhesive or if it's a two part epoxy. So it just depends on what the application is, what the installer wants to do and what the substrate limitations are. And a lot of times to in a situation like what you're talking about uh, was more than likely was a uh, floating LVT that has a, a composite core to it. So it absorbs moisture, causing it to swell and buckle. That's probably what you experienced out there. Oh, yeah. I can tell you that's what I experienced. I know it because I went and looked at it. And, of course, the floor was all curved and buckled. And, and of course, then, folks, I could tell you then, I, the floor, I mean, the floor was absolutely filthy. We walked across the floor. I got in the shower and I had black feet. And I'm like, what the heck? So then I went and found their mop. Uh, it was one of those uh, spinner things. Yeah. And, you know, what? so what they'd done is they just mopped the floor with that little thing and it spread, you know, dirty water all over the whole floor. Being a dark floor, it didn't show, but it sure showed on my feet and my white socks. Right. Yeah, I got into a situation like that uh, two weeks ago. I was called to a hospital where we had just the, the installation had been completed about a month ago. It's a brand new hospital. And I was asked to walk the floor <clears throat> because there were some areas that had uh, they felt some some finish issues with the material, which has happened in the past where the urethane doesn't get laid properly on the material during manufacturing. Come to find out this was some areas that 
there was some improper substrate floor prep done and the general contractor had asked the sub to come back in and um, rip out what they had installed and, and prep the floor and replace it. Well, when they did it, they replaced it with a different dial of material. So it takes it out of my part. But the one thing that I did notice in the hospital was there was a tremendous amount of uh, residue on the floor. And I, we went into the, uh, I asked if I could go see what they're using to clean with. And they did have a dispensing machine in the, in the closet or in the room where the machine was. They had a brand new uh, walk behind auto scrubber. Um, it was the smaller uh, round rotating brushes instead of the cylindrical brushes, but you can only sometimes take what you can get. <clears throat> so we, I looked at that and by and that time, one of the Fortex come walking in the room and I asked him, I said, I see that you have a mixer here. How do you guys, you know, what, what amount of chemical do you put in there? He's like, oh, we just squirt some in there. I'm like, you weren't taught how to measure it or what to put in there per gallon or per whatever. And he goes, oh, no, they told us just to put a little bit in there and then just go with it. So in a building that's been open for 30 to 35 days, there is a tremendous amount of residue on the floor, which is causing some amount of sheen, which is not helping with the dilate issue with the underlayment. So, um, or with the material and the, and the poor floor prep. So my first recommendation to the end user is, hey, let's get some warm water and let's rinse that floor uh, probably two or three times without using any chemical and get all the chemical off of it. And let's see what we have after that. And uh, we make and reduce some of the sheen that's on it, which will help with some of that revealing some of what's going on under the product. So it, it, it's never in the battle. You still see the same thing over and over, and it's just lack of education. Well, you know, what's so interesting, Sean, as we get ready to close our podcast for today, folks, is that this seems to be the reoccurring issue when I talk with people all over the country. Uh, a gentleman walked up to my podcast booth there at the Missouri Plant Managers uh, Conference and said, hey, I got to ask you, how do I get rid of my my issues on my floor. I said, what's the issue? He says, it's sticky. It's got, it, it smells. He said, we've tried everything we can and nothing helps. And I go, have you tried water? <laughs> and he just kind of looked at me and I think he really wanted to reach across the table and slap me first. And then he said, well, yeah, we use water with everything. I go, no, I just said water. And he, he, he kept looking at me. He just did, couldn't quite get it through his head. And I said, right. let me ask you a question. Another lady walked up at that same time. And I said, and I just turned to her. And I said, ma'am, would you put your clothes on without rinsing them? She goes, heck no. And I looked at him and I said, sir, why is it you're leaving the chemical on the floor? Why don't you just try rinsing? Right. And then it was like the light bulbs went off for both of them. And she says, I never thought about that. And so many times, folks, it is that simple. This is why we have the podcast. This is why Sean and I talk about it every time. Sean, I don't think that we've ever talked on a podcast about floors that we don't talk about rinsing. Yeah, it's just chemical on top of chemical on top of chemical, and you just get residue. And, and, and it's, it's ultimately, I lost an account in Jacksonville because 
the end user just would ref refuse to quit using something I told him to quit using. And he kept blaming it on the floor. The floor keeps getting dirty. I'm like, well, you keep putting this on the floor and that's causing the soil to be attracted. No, we use those all the time all over the place. We're not having any issues anywhere else. I'm like, well, that's what's causing a problem. And I ended up losing the account. Well, sometimes, folks, we have to uh, uh, just walk away from things. Sean, it's been good to have you back on the air with us. Uh, hopefully things will settle down here in Florida. And uh, I'm done traveling, I think, for the rest of the year. So it's back to standard classes and doing our podcasts. And uh, how can people get hold of you? They want to talk about floors, floors, and more floors. Uh, you can reach me at Sean.Devore, S-E-A-N-D-E-V. Excuse me, let me back up. Sean.Devore, which is S-E-A-N dot D-E-V as in Victor, O-R-E at Mannington.com. Or I can be reached by cell phone at 352-630-9884. Folks, our podcast is uh, produced and um, sponsored by Jim Supply here in uh, the Central Florida area. Uh, Jim Supply has... Well, four office locations, showrooms, if you will, Orlando, um, Lakeland, Tampa, and now Ocala. So please uh, visit one of their showrooms. They'll be glad to help you. We appreciate their sponsorship of our podcast. Sean and I have been doing this every month for uh, several years. And so uh, the first Monday of every month, you can hear Sean here on our podcast, Beyond Clean with Ace where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. Sean, thanks for being here again, and I'm sure we'll see each other. All right, Dave. Take, take care. Thank you. Good talking to you. Bye -bye. Everybody, if you like what you've heard and you would like to see more, go to our YouTube channel. That is hashtag Academy of Clean. You can see all of our videos that we have there. You can find this podcast on Beyond Clean with Ace. We are on Podbean. We're broadcasting today on Podbean Live. So, um, oh, yes. Oh, I forgot. Pardon me. All of those social channels. Let's see if we can get them all right. We got TikTok. We got uh, Facebook. We got YouTube. We've got Instagram. I don't know. They're all out there. Our website is Academy of Clean academyofcleaning.com and as we said before if you're listening to this and it's still October of 2022 you have less than 30 days to get in your nomination for the Rockstar Custodian of this year that is rockstarsofcleaning.com thanks for being with us folks and we'll see you on the airwaves at another podcast bye Sean see you <laughs>